we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikori, and I'm executive director of the center. And joining us this episode is Jackson Kuntz. He's somebody none of you will probably have heard of because he was an intern at the center and was really one of our standout talents. I think he's going to go far. He's in law school now. And I wanted to bring him in to kind of talk to him about how he got into the issue and also how he got attracted to the center. What was his internship experience like? How does he think young people relate to this immigration issue? So, you know, there's a little bit of that gif online with, you know, greetings, fellow kids. I'm an old man here who wants to know what the youth are thinking. But joking aside is a useful and I think important topic. So Jackson, thanks for taking time out to talk to me. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on the podcast. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, as you <laughs> exactly. would say. So why don't we start with how did you get interested in the immigration issue? In other words, why do you care one way or the other? There's a million things to be interested in. And, well, you know, I'm interested in immigration, but what brought you to it? Well, I think it started when I was born, like, uh, <laughs> frankly. I grew up in San Diego, in a town called Oceanside. Right. That's just a little ways outside of San Diego. And when you grow up that close to the border, immigration isn't like a public policy issue. It's reality. You know, you look around and you see the pros and cons of immigration all around you. My best friend growing up, his parents were actually amnestied under Reagan back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we have a border wall, of course, in San Diego that extends out into the Pacific Ocean. And my grandfather growing up was actually an engineer on a Spanish language radio station that served migrant workers. Interesting. So growing up, being a San Diego and, you know, Mexican food and whatnot, you grow up really invested in the culture. So it's kind of like a way of life for us. But you see the pros and you see the cons. And probably my first real experience with the downsides of the immigration policies that we currently have was when I was seven. When I was seven, a police officer named Tony Zapatella, he was a former Marine, current Oceanside City police officer, stopped a vehicle at the credit union block behind my house, mm-hmm. approached the car, and was killed. Wow. And it turned out that the driver was an illegal alien, a gang member who had been previously deported and let back into the country. And his name is Adrian Camacho. And he proceeded to run through my neighborhood and barricade himself inside one of my neighbor's houses. And, you know, when I was seven, all of a sudden this issue became really real for me. Wow. Tony Zapatella was, like I said, Marine, a Oceanside police officer. He had a six-month-old baby at home and a wife. 
and he's dead. And he's dead because we chose not to enforce our immigration policies. And someone who never should have been in the country, who had been removed from the country, was in the country. So that kind of makes it real. And I'm speaking to you now. I'm the same age as Tony Zapatella was when he was killed. Wow. And frankly, nothing's really changed. May have gotten worse, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So then you went undergraduate, you were in SMU, and then went to graduate school, which I thought was interesting, in North Dakota. So basically, you're kind of switching borders almost, or at least switching sides of the country. So when you're at law school now in Arizona, what attracted you to the center specifically when you were thinking about internships? Well, you know, growing up, the immigration issue kind of became more real for me when I got out of undergrad. When you're in college, you are kind of like at the most individualistic time you'll ever be in your life. You're away from your family. You're as far away from starting your family as you'll be. And it's just kind of about me, me, me. And then when you get out of college, all of a sudden you realize, oh, one day I want a family. One day I may want to own a business. One day I want to live in a community. And you want a community that's safe and you want a government in that community that cares about you. So all of a sudden, I kind of realized that I don't really think our country or our government really cared about that at the time. So I kind of became more interested in the immigration stuff, the policy. Mm -hmm. And when I was trying to find a group, you know, I was looking at all these kind of like conservative lean organizations I could get involved with. I was looking at Cato, <laughs> Turning Point. Well, at least you turned away from the dark side. You didn't go to Cato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I just kind of realized that who's actually speaking up for the American worker? You know, on the left, you have people who want the vote. On the right, you have people who want the cheap labor. And there is no backstop on the system. There is no check. And why is there no one unabashedly speaking up for the average American worker? And then I found CIS. And I said, hey, this is a group that gets it. I kind of feel like Paul Revere going around <laughs> my friends like, hey, this isn't benefiting us. Why is no one speaking up about it? And everyone kind of has interest in keeping the system going. And then I found CIS. And I said, well, this is a group that really gets it. And then so through CIS, I found George Borjas, and I read his book, We Wanted Workers. And that really was like, kind of like a big, like kids my age would say, the big red pill moment, right. you know. And from that, I went on to read some Pat Buchanan, and that really kind of shaped my view of the immigration issue. Now, you know, in law school, most of the time, people are applying for summer jobs, maybe at law firms as a summer associate or at some kind of law enforcement-related, government type of job. Why did you opt for a think tank, just in general? Even I mean, obviously, the center, and we're delighted you did it, but why a think tank and not some kind of like the thing you're doing now where you're working in a government office or some kind of law firm? Well, it was my first year of law school, and I kind of felt like this is my time to kind of explore and experiment with things I may not otherwise be able to do later on in my career. Right. You know, I can always kind of become a lawyer and switch from law offices, but I really wanted to try something new and try something I was interested in. And then I found out about the experience that CIS offered its interns. And I was like, wow, I should, I should do this. This seems exciting. Then of course, COVID hit. 
Right. And uh, I got the remote version of the experience, which I still greatly enjoyed. But uh, since coming back to college, honestly, I hear about the internships my friends did and you know, the experience they got. And, you know, it was kind of nice. They maybe got like a letter of rec. But it didn't really shape their understanding of any issue. Or it really didn't really shape their understanding of law and policy. And what I got was different. You know, my CIS internship was definitely the best internship I had, period. You know, regardless of undergrad, master's, or law school. It was actually like a real educational experience about an issue that you don't really get experience, you don't get exposure to otherwise. What are some of the things, you know, I don't know, something notable that you learned that you didn't know or something that surprised you? What is it that you actually learned? Well, I think it was really interesting working under so many different people. I wasn't working directly under you. I was working under Judge uh, Arthur, right? Art. I'm used to calling him Art. Right. I was working under all these fellows at the think tank, many of whom were Democrats or Union Democrats or had all these different kind of paths for becoming interested in immigration. And it really kind of opened my eyes to the scope of the issue. And while I was there, I got to you know, work on research. I got to delve through government websites and kind of learn about the scope of the data and really understand the issue from the inside looking out. And then, of course, understand the, the policy side, how policy gets passed, who's holding it up, who's pushing it forward. That was definitely a great educational experience. So, like you said, it was a remote internship, which is not ideal, but that's the, what the pandemic forced on us. How do you think that was different? Maybe, I mean, like, were there classmates of yours that had in-person internships, or do you have something to compare it to, is my point? Well, I feel like most internships now, at least that have, I've experienced, have been remote ever since COVID happened. Right. And COVID was kind of a big test run, I feel like, for these remote internships. Most of my friends are doing remote internships. And, you know, that's great. I've enjoyed my remote internships. Interning at CIS, though, was definitely like a different type of remote internship. I felt like I was really more involved in kind of learning about the issues that I may have been interning at a law office. And it was definitely a lot more interesting than it was writing legal briefs or writing research memos on legal issues right. on my computer. Right. So did you get any sort of eyebrows raised or uh, any pushback? for being not just interested in the issue in general, but specifically working at the center because, you know, we've been targeted and that's been a problem for some people who are sort of worried about future job prospects. Did you, mm -hmm. given that any thought, have you experienced anything related to that? I honestly haven't, which is a little disappointing because I have a bit of a combative personality and I was kind of ready to go war, you know, <laughs> and I really haven't had any pushback. I think most people see it on my resume and they say, wow, this guy has a real understanding of immigration. And they usually don't look past that. Interesting. But I've interned at many, you know, high, high ranking government offices or prosecution offices, and it's never been a problem. Usually the thing I'm most proud of on my resume because it's something no one else has. Right, right. In law school, are there immigration classes? A lot of law schools have these immigration clinics, basically, that are devoted to preventing the law from being enforced. 
where they get free labor from law students to throw, you know, sand in the gears of immigration enforcement. Does your law school have anything like that? Have you interacted with the students who are sort of involved in the immigration issue on the other side? Yeah, we absolutely do. We have an immigration clinic that we use to, as far as I know, help give legal aid to illegal aliens currently in the country. Right. I wish there is a the flip side, you know, an internship or a clinic where I could do the opposite, which is basically what I did working for CIS. Right. And of course, you know, college campuses are not a great place at the moment, nor I think have they ever been. But it's really interesting in this day and age. You know, I think colleges have always kind of been the breeding ground of this type of left-wing leftist ideology. But right now, I see it coming more bottom-up than top-down. How so? It's not that my professors are the ones saying, we need open borders, we need to flood the country, you know. It's the students saying this. Oh, that's interesting. We've had students, you know, lecturing on all issues. We've had students lecturing professors on the correct gender pronoun usage right? and on mask. Oh, you're not wearing the right mask. You're not wearing the mask above your nose. It's not coming from the professor. The professor is usually moderating it. It's these students that really have just been really rabid. Interesting. And it's been something of an experience because as a law student, I don't just look and see my classmates. I see the future judges I have to argue in front of. Right. And I see the future lawyers I have to go against. And I see the future legislators who are, will be passing the laws that my kids have to live under. So that's kind of, frankly, it's kind of terrifying. But I've also met kids who share my views on these issues. I've met kids who really feel passionately about immigration and immigration enforcement and putting America first. And that's been exciting to see. You know, it's not a lot of us. But it's definitely been a noticeable presence of kids who share my views on this issue. And that's been very exciting. Well, it's good to hear. Something you brought up is actually something I've, it's occurred to me sometimes, and I've never come up with a good way of approaching it. You said, as I mentioned, these immigration clinics, the point of which is to prevent illegal immigrants by hook or by crook from being deported from the United States. And that, you know, it would be nice if there were something a sort of counterpart that was a pro-enforcement or pro-sovereignty or something like that. And I've thought of that. It's occurred to me, but I'm not sure what form that would take. I mean, it's the government doing it. So obviously, other than the kind of research or advocacy stuff that CIS and other groups do, which is kind of Washington-oriented, I don't know what there would be at the law school level that you could have student groups. I mean, I'm open to ideas. If you have any ideas, I'd like to love to hear them. But I'm just not sure how specifically what would a pro-enforcement immigration clinic, something like that, what would they do, you know? There's internships with federal prosecution offices where they would usually have students writing briefs, doing such things about the immigration issue and about the enforcement side. Right. If we enforced our immigration laws, that'd be perfect. Uh, at the time, we don't currently do that, though. Right, right. But it would be great to see some advocacy on behalf of enforcement and, and law schools. And in Arizona, we have this great group called the Angel Moms. Right. Yep. Who've lost family members to border-related violence, whether mm-hmm. it be drugs taken over the border, fentanyl, or whether it's cartel violence. Or drunk driving wish, in a lot of cases. Know, a group like that would sponsor something. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. So... 
you had mentioned that there are some a smaller number, but some like-minded students that you've encountered. Why do you think young people are disproportionately, at least in universities, in your experience, approach the issue the way they do? Why should they care? Why shouldn't they be backing essentially open borders? Well, I think a lot of young people, especially on the left, have a fundamentally different understanding of what America is. Because they kind of grew up in America that was post-Americana, if you will. You know, post the traditional American values, post the traditional American culture. And they see our country not as our home, not as a people, but they just see it as a place. And if it's just a place, then who cares if you bring over a million people, if you bring over five million people? Right. And it's really shocking. I have friends who are reasonable, college-educated people, many of them self-proclaimed conservatives, who want to bring over upwards of 5 million immigrants to combat the rise of China. Oh, really? It's like to hijack this anti-China messaging to push for unlimited immigration. Interesting. And, you know, I, I understand, like, on paper, I guess it makes sense to match China's GDP. We have to bring in an endless supply of workers. But I don't love America because of our GDP. I can't go outside and see our GDP. I love America because, one, I live here, and two, because it reflects my values. And I want to live in a country that reflects my values and has a government that's responsive to me. Right. So this is just sort of from a selfish institutional perspective, but you have any ideas on how CIS can do a better job of attracting or marketing itself to young people, to, you know, college students, law students, grad students for the kinds of internship that you had or even for regular employment afterwards? You know, like I said, I've met students and more students on my campus who kind of have this America first mindset. And I think that's awesome. And I think we're going to get more of those students in law school. And Donald Trump, who's done some good things and done some not so great things as president, really kind of awoke a lot of young people to this issue. You know, growing up, I, it was kind of like, it was an issue that no one really wanted to touch. And then he was the first one to pick up the million dollar bill on the floor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people kind of awoke to what was going on the southern border. So I think moving forward, there will be more young people who want to get involved. CIS specifically, right now, I've been reaching out to students, you know, word of mouth, telling them, hey, this is a great opportunity to be in D.C., be like right up there, you know, where the decisions get made. And this is not some like fringe group. CIS is a group that's inside the White House usually. Well, not not this administration. Not, 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 <laughs> the, not the moment, of course, but, but this is a group that's very influential. You know, I think one of the last guests on the podcast was a congresswoman. This right. is a group that's very influential, and you have a chance as an intern to really see how the meat is made, as people say. I think it's a great opportunity. So what's in store for you? You're, uh, this is your last year in law school, is that correct? That's correct. I'm in my last semester. Last semester, yeah. What are you thinking of doing going forward, and did your experience here sort of shape that, color that, direct that in any way? Absolutely. I'd love to one day do something involved in public policy. 
because I think it's so interesting. And I really didn't even understand how interesting it was until I went to CIS. And then I kind of understood the process. I understood how laws actually get made. You know, it's a big eye-opening experience. So working at CIS definitely has inspired me to one day pursue public policy. Before I do that, though, I think I want to learn the law a little bit more. So I'm hoping to start off doing prosecution for a couple of years and then see what happens after that. But very passionate about the law. And because of CIS, I'm very passionate about making the law, hopefully one day. Well, that's fantastic. Hopefully we'll welcome you back here as a member of Congress or something in a few years. <laughs> you know, fingers crossed. Any other thoughts you had on your experience with the center, your experience with immigration? Well, I guess all I do want to say is, you know, CIS is one of the few groups that is, I think, truly patriotic. I think every group thinks of themselves as, you know, we're the patriotic ones. But after meeting the people at CIS and working with them closely, it's the people who really care about exclusively putting Americans first and the American worker first. And I think that's very rare moving forward. I think that's why you have the youth that we have today. I think that's the youth you deserve is a cynical one. I look at my classmates, and even I'm a little bit cynical because we often grow up feeling that our government doesn't have our best interests to heart. And, and everything, not just immigration and foreign policy and domestic policy, I think they think of Americans as maybe a factor, you know, maybe one variable in the equation. I don't think it's too much to expect of our politicians to put us first and to have our interests as their exclusive interests. And it was just a you know big sigh of relief when I walked into CIS, or I guess remotely. Yeah, remotely uh, walked, walked into, into CIS. CIS. Yeah. <laughs> and I met people who thought like me, who thought, you know, that should be the bare minimum we expect out our policymakers and our policy is to put Americans first and put our interests first, not big business and not foreign countries and not special interest groups, but Americans first. And I think it's exceptionally rare. So I definitely cherished my time at CIS. And you know, hopefully I get to go up to Washington and see it in person and see the center. I'm uh, very excited to do that one day. Yeah, we'd love to see you. I mean, it's not that fascinating. It's just an office, but we definitely want to uh see you in person at some point. And so anyway, on that crazy note that elected officials should have the interests of their constituents at heart, I think we'll wrap this up. I appreciate it very much. Jackson Kuntz, who was an intern at the center, a promising young man who I think we will be hearing more about in the future. And, you know, good luck on your last semester of law school. And like I had said, hopefully you'll get to D.C. at some point in the not-too-distant future, and we'll all be able to meet you in the flesh. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. To wrap up this uh, infomercial, as it were, for the Center's internship program, I thought it would be good to have the person here at the Center who is responsible for the internship program. Marguerite Telford is our Director of Communications, but in her portfolio is also the internship program, interviewing people, selecting them, that sort of thing. And thought it'd be good to have Marguerite to tell us a little bit about what she looks for, what she thinks our internship program here is for. Marguerite, thanks for coming on. Maybe the thing to start with is what do you look for when people submit 
a letter and resume, that sort of thing. What are you looking for in, in, in potential interns? Well, Mark, before I answer that, let me just say I was just having such fun listening to Jackson because I've never met him, but we spent so much time with him. And I was surprised he didn't mention some of the work he did while he was with us. Well, you can do that. It was really interesting because, you know, he works a lot on legal, with legal policy, court cases. But he also compared House and Senate bills for us Mm -hmm. and also did some data collection with border crossing and worked on a very big project we had going at the time on vetting failures. So I have very good memories of the very high quality work he did for us. So it was fun listening to him. What that means, too, is that, uh, you know, people won't get that, is that he was actually working for a variety of different analysts here. Because the interns, some of them may end up just working with one person, but maybe more often they end up working for helping on projects with several people. That's correct, because this truly is an educational experience. So our office is set up with experts who each have a defined area of expertise. So whether it's, you know, demography or national security or legal immigration, refugees, legal policy, environment, we try to have students do projects for all of these individuals. And then what we do is we really try, when at all possible, is to have them spend more time with the person who's in their area of interest. Right. right. But what we often find is as they work with these different experts, what they thought was their interest area kind of gets sent back to the bottom and they actually find something else that they're just really excited about. Well, I mean, it is supposed to be a learning experience too, obviously. So so what are you looking for when potential interns come across your desk? Well, this is a 12-week internship, so we prefer to have people in-house. But we do remote now. We've discovered that works really well. So it's for undergraduate and graduate students. We look for people who like to research, like to write. They're detail-oriented. You know, for example, I'm just as happy to talk to an English major as I am an international studies major. And we like people who like to learn. And are they really interested in immigration? And sometimes immigration is secondary to them. They're interested in an immigration think tank because they're interested in education or environment, but they realize how much immigration impacts those areas. So it's not just summer either. I mean, what you're looking at now are people in the summer, but we often have interns in the spring and the fall as well, right? Yeah, we have year-round interns. And what we also do is, you know, we will have them one semester, and for that one semester, they are paid a stipend. Although a lot of our interns get academic credit, and what we do is we work with their school to fill out all the paperwork and do the interview with their professor back on campus. A lot of them get money from their school to do the internship. So there are schools that have an internship somewhere in Washington as part of the academic requirements, and then there are some other people who are doing it just as a kind of general internship, right? In other words, it's not always necessarily integrated into their degree program, although sometimes That's it is. That's right. That's right. Some people just find their interest in immigration or they've heard you on television and they contact us directly to do a full-time internship. But we also get a lot of resumes from students who are here on a program in D.C., and they're required to intern for four days. And on the fifth day, they go back to their school for their academics. 
Right. And yeah. we, we certainly are open to that as well. Yeah, I mean, the University of California, for instance, has an entire building here, which is classrooms and dormitory. And I think they have either semester in D.C. or year in D.C. program for a lot of the oh, UC but many, campuses. many schools right. have a lot that. of the other yeah. ones have, yeah. They may not have quite as, they may not have a whole building, but it's a very common thing. It's almost like a junior year abroad because a lot of schools have that too, but it's become a thing to have, you know, a semester or year in Washington where you take classes. And the whole point is to be working either on Capitol Hill or a think tank or some other kind of organization. So uh, you don't want to name any people, but what are some of the backgrounds of the interns that we've had that you've been particularly pleased with? And where have they gone afterwards, if you, if you know that? Well, gosh, everyone comes in from a wide spectrum of interest and background. You know, it's funny. We had one person come to us who was very interested in immigration. We actually offered a job after, you know, when they graduated. But they said having worked with demography here and crunching numbers and looking for trends, they had discovered how much they enjoyed that and had never even thought about that as a career hmm. and ended up going and working in finance because of the type of work they did for us. They learned something you know, else that they enjoyed doing. I always thought that was kind of interesting. We're still the nonprofit and they're going on to make yeah, big exactly. dollars in the <laughs> private economy. <laughs> but maybe they're going to become a donor, Mark. Sure, could be. We have a lot of people go on to law school and graduate school. Mm-hmm. Like Jackson, we have a lot of law students, and when they leave us, you know, they go to the U.S. Attorney's Office. A lot of them come to the Hill and work at general counsel or work for a committee or work for a congressman. Right. A lot of people go to the Hill. Another favorite just wrote me last week, and she's a first-year law student now at Vanderbilt, and she's going over to spend her summer at The Hague, Hmm. which I thought was rather interesting. It's really everything, because immigration really does impact every other issue. So you have a, a group of young people who have real varied interests, and a lot of them stay in the immigration field. Right, right. Well, good. Uh, anything else I forgot to mention on the intern thing? No, I guess the only other thing is in addition to doing projects and research and writing, which we really do try to get blogs published, op-eds published, something concrete that these young people can put on their resumes. But we also, not as easy um, in the COVID world, but we do a lot of panels, which of course they come to. We testify now online, but going in, helping us with that. When you go in and do all of your media, you take them with you. We're getting ready to do some briefings on the Hill. You know, we would take them with us. So we try to get them out and about because I think it's also about networking. Sure. And actually before COVID, I tried to make a point of having the interns go to both an immigration court hearing, spend a couple hours in immigration court to see what it's like, but also to a a naturalization swearing-in, citizenship swearing-in ceremony, too. Hopefully, at some point with all of this COVID nonsense, once it recedes, we can get back to that. Exactly, exactly. But it really is, I think, a great opportunity, not just for adding new skills to your resume. But for real professional growth, you know, for expanding your knowledge and confidence and networking. Good. But I, and I guess I have to say, Mark, just because it's my opinion. I mean, I just really think that this is very substantial work, not just for us, but for our interns. They, we do not give them busy work. Right, I mean, they're right. actually contributing to the public conversation on immigration. Yeah, they're not just filing and stapling, which is frankly often interns on Capitol Hill 
often end up, you know, just going to get the coffee and not much else. That's right. Oh, also, just as a last thing, you also do, if these folks want to stick around in Washington, we actually help them, if we can, kind of connect them to people on Capitol Hill or elsewhere to help with their job search, which may or may not work. But the fact is, we're eager to do that sort of thing, too. Absolutely. Like, we do hope to see Jackson here one day. Yes, hopefully. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thank you uh, for people who are interested. Address any inquiries like this to Marguerite Telford. Just send it to the center, even if you don't remember the name. If it's obviously an internship inquiry, she'll get it. We're online at cis.org. I hope you'll be tuning in next week for Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. Thanks for tuning in.